Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, inspiring people and places. We are changing it up this week with Memorial Day this weekend. We wanted to uh, have a special episode. And before I introduce our guest and talk about the topic we're going to hit, I want to read a foreword from the book, The Strong Gray Line, Wartime Reflections from the West Point Class of 2004. And the foreword was written by General Odierno, who has since passed. But it says, from the distance of our television screens and internet video clips, the advanced technologies wielded by America's armed forces have had the effect of often portraying war as an antiseptic affair. But on the ground where combat is waged, nothing could be further from reality. War in the contemporary age is much as it always has been arduous, grueling, and costly. For most who experience war, their lives are irrevocably changed. For the men and women charged to lead our nation's soldiers in combat, and for their loved ones, the experience takes on a greater weight. To preserve the memory of their service during the tumultuous decades since their commissioning as Army officers, members of the West Point Class of 2004 have written the Strong Gray Line. This is foremost a story of remembrance. Each chapter honors one of the 14 members of the class who has died in the service of our country. It is fitting that the lives of such exceptional young officers be remembered, not only as examples of selfless and intrepid officership, but also as monuments to the thousands of fellow Americans who served alongside them. Again, that's General Ray Odierno. So I want to start by talking about inspiring people in places is intended to inspire. And I personally, my life has been greatly touched by both our guest and Dennis Alinsky, who you've probably heard me talk about before. My classmate, my swim teammate, one of my best friends who was killed in action on November 19th, 2005 in Beji, Iraq. So today's guest is his mother, Marion Zelensky, Mama Z to many of us who were very close to Dennis. And today we're going to honor Dennis's life and, and really remind everybody what Memorial Day is all about. And as General Odierno said, and, and Mama Z and I have witnessed that, you know, we were so close to somebody and so impacted by a war that, you know, might just look like CNN news clips to a lot of people. So my hope is that this, this gives everybody a chance to personify Memorial Day in a way to understand the type of lives that were sacrificed for our country and for our way of life that give us our freedoms and the close folks around those that, that sacrificed and the impact that this loss has had on us. And then last, and, and maybe most inspiring, to challenge and inspire you to do something to honor those, remember those that have sacrificed, and, and to teach your children, your grandchildren, or, or maybe just remind you what Memorial Day is all about, which I, I'm excited to dig in with with Mama Z here because the Dennis Alinsky Fund, which I'm on the board of, as is she, continues to make a huge impact and continues to 
expand the blast radius of Dennis's life. So while he may not be walking with us on earth, he's certainly continuing to impact lives today, just as he did when he was with us. So without further ado, Mama Z, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, BJ. So the typical model of the show is we, we learn about the guest. And today we're going to learn about both you, your family, and who Dennis was growing up. I didn't get to meet him until I guess it was spring break-ish of our senior year of high school when we both found out that my sister had a mutual connection to, to one of Dennis's swim friends, and we, we got connected on AOL Instant Messenger. But talk to us about who Dennis was prior to going to West Point. Well, thank you for sharing that first, BJ, because I never knew that you were talking with Dennis. Oh, really? I met him at West Point. One of the things that I love is that I still learn so many things about Dennis. We all know that when we know somebody and we think we really know them and we're the only ones that knows them the best, you talk to other people and you learn new things that you never knew before. And I like to call them Dennisisms <laughs> because then, you know, you find out something new and it, it almost gives me the feeling that, hey, I'm right here with you, mom. Yeah. I'm here with you and with BJ. And you just shared that other story about a picture that fell out from your wedding. And uh, yeah, I think that Dennis is here right now. I have to, if, if anybody's watching this on video, this is the picture I was prepping. I grabbed a notebook and this is Mr. and Mrs. Zelensky at, at my wedding to my wife, Natalie. And it literally just fell out of a, a notebook as we were getting on the show. So I think a yeah. reminder that, that Dennis is with us. So take us back. I know he was a crazy wild man kid, but tell us what it was like raising Dennis. He's a funny kid, sometimes crazy, sometimes so thoughtful, and he would sit back and think about people, and he cared about the people that he met. He really cared about them from the time he was a little boy. He was the protector, always the protector of the kids that are being picked on in school. At a very young age, he volunteered at our church to work at community service, where he would help pack food that was donated for those less fortunate. And it started a trend in our church because he was young and doing it. And when the people in the church saw, then they prompted their kids to take part in it. And of course, he was the leader of his younger brother. so. Matt got pulled into it as well. Dennis was a swimmer. Dennis had a lot of trouble with his vision. He sort of took after his mom. <laughs> and because his vision was so bad, he would strike out all the time at baseball. And one time there was grumbling in the stands and I had to listen to it 
and bases were loaded and there were two outs and Dennis was coming up to the plate. And it was heartbreaking because he struck out. And of course, you have a whole game to play to make it big and you don't wait until trying to catch up at the very end, but they needed him to get a really good hit to at least keep them in the game. And he did. And he handled it better than me. (laughs) Because I said to the parents, they were being very mean and condescending. And I said to them, oh, my gosh, are there college coaches here to see your 10-year-old play baseball? They're going to recruit them? (laughs) These are kids. They're kids. Yeah. And Dennis walked off and you know what? He handled it. I was ready to lash out and here was Dennis handling it. Like an adult. I was acting like a child. (laughs) He was the adult. And then we found out that he excelled at swimming. And then he left baseball. And soccer. Dennis came into his own physically as he was older. He he was in college when he really turned into an excellent athlete. Yeah. But up until then, swimming was his thing. And it was funny because he used to bump into the <laughs> the lane, this end of the pool, because his vision was so bad. And when we went to get eyeglasses filled for him, we found out that, the, yes, there were prescription goggles. Uh, the only prescription goggles I've ever seen in swimming. And they were the coolest things because they were black and the lenses were black. And the first day he wore them, he shaved off better than two minutes off his <laughs> His speed. So it really put him in contention to be good at swimming. And then coupled with his positive attitude, you know, he did very well. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about his path and decision to go to West Point. And maybe and maybe your feelings about it. We we used to go camping and with a bunch of friends and one of the campers there was in the army and he used to bring down you know old you know the giveaway stuff that the military gives out to little kids to try the the swag bag stuff yes and they had hats and they used to call themselves the goonies and they would dress up and you know play army and so it was always in his in his thought process and knowing that his dad was a Vietnam veteran. You know, he he wanted to emulate his dad. And between playing army down there with the camping buddies. And he he just decided that he wanted to try the army. And at the time we were safe. Yeah. It was a safe country. And he wanted to swim, but the swim coach at the time ignored him, never was interested in him. And he made the rounds and he had gone up to the Coast Guard Academy 
And that swim coach fell in love with Dennis. And he convinced Dennis that he wanted to switch allegiance and go to the Coast Guard Academy. He followed his high school swimming career. And every week after a meet, he would call Dennis and, you know, he was getting all excited. Comes time for Dennis to do the physical. And we found out that he was color deficient, which most people call color blindness. You're not technically blind. You're just deficient in certain colors. And he couldn't see any numbers. And his dad was standing behind him and said, Dennis, just read what's there. And he goes, there's nothing here. There's all white. And he goes, no, look at it. And come to find out, we took him. And you cannot be in the Coast Guard or the Navy if you are color deficient. So I had the exact same thing. Red-green combo. Disqualified from the Coast Guard Academy. Also was being recruited by John Westcott, who my sister and brother ended up going to swim for there. So I I think we were were destined to, to end up together somewhere. Yeah. Well, and it was the army. You brought up the point that when we went to West Point, there was we war was not in our language. 9-11 hadn't happened. No. It was pretty much a stable, peaceful world. And all of our training scenarios were teaching us to be, you know, like a, a second lieutenant or a first lieutenant that was going to be the mayor of some town and you know, or some village in Bosnia, a peacekeeping mission. Yeah. 9-11 happens. We are sophomores, September of our sophomore year. We didn't have to commit so we could leave West Point without any owing any service or any money at the end of our sophomore year. I remember Dennis taking 9-11 so personally because it hit his city. So this is the one area that Dennis and I disagreed. Different, different sports fans. Eagles fan. He's a Giants fan. Uh, but he really, he, he was ready to drop out of West Point and enlist to go to war. Do you remember okay. that? Another surprise. <laughs> I thought you knew that. No. He really took it personally. And I think it was then that he knew, I knew he was, he, he declared he was going to go infantry. He was going to go to ranger school. He knew he wanted to go into combat. And I think we all realized that was going to be our reality. We were going to combat. What do you remember of that time? Well, the phones were shut down. We couldn't Mm. call you kids. And when I finally was able to talk to Dennis, I told him to pack his things. We were coming to get him. And he said, why would you do that? And I said, because we are going to war and you're coming home. And he said, you don't leave, you don't quit West Point, mom. And I said, sure, people do. The ones that went there for two years and they bail out, they get, then they go to a bigger name school and they don't, they just transfer at that point. You haven't taken your oath. So, you're okay to leave. And I said, don't, don't tell me that. You can leave West Point. We're coming to pick you up. And he said, I would never leave West Point, especially now when my country needs me the most. Mm-hmm. 
was very hard as a mom. I had a my best friend in school killed in Vietnam. I remember it well. And I was afraid. So I was the coward. Well, you were the Obviously, mother. He ended up staying. He loved every minute of being at West Point. He told me once his only regret was not going to to get the bubble. Mm. He said if he could change one thing. And he was such a family-orientated kid that they were going down over Easter and he had to stay and do summer school because he failed one English test. So we had to go in the summer and that's when everybody went down. Yeah. And he decided to come home because, you know, he missed being home. You, I, I want to jump into a few things. So you brought up baseball earlier and this is just to give people kind of a view you're, you've got, as many people might imagine, it's a pretty stressful experience at West Point. You're you're juggling academics, extracurriculars. We were both D1 swimmers, all of your military stuff. And somehow Dennis was always volunteering to do something. The the two things that stand out in my head right now are I forget who he played, but for Easter, he dressed up as one of the disciples, I think. And yes. I, I can still see his face with all the makeup on. And pictures. And if you, it's one thing to volunteer, right? And like, oh, that's, that's Dennis doing his thing. Dennis didn't do anything that was just his thing. He would rally everybody to come do it with him, whether it was do it with him or come watch and, hey, come to church tonight. I'm in this thing. Uh, so that stands out to me. And then the other thing that stands out to me, because you brought up baseball, was our senior year, spring of our senior year, him, Charlie, Lewis, it might have been our junior year because I think Ryan Parks helped. But I can't remember if Ryan was a grad assistant at the time in helping, but they volunteered, coached a, a little league baseball team yes. at West Point. So I just want to paint the picture, everybody, that West Point You've got 4,000 kids, highly selected to come to school, kind of all being trained, all being identified as high potential leaders, being trained to be leaders. And Dennis was a leader among all of our peers. And it, it was this natural energy he had. And there's two other things I want to hit on. I remember the story that, and, and every chance I met Maddie, it wasn't, you know, Dennis's little brother. It was like Dennis's best friend, um, always including him, always a part. You know, it was just that that's that's Maddie. And then his generosity. And I want you to hit on his generosity that came to light to everybody after after he was killed based on what he had put in his will, if you don't mind going there. All right. Well, let's go back to the. I hit. I hit a lot of stuff there. Sorry. Yeah. Let's go back <laughs> to the Easter. It it was specifically in the Protestant Church Monday Thursday. It's called. 
And that was the night of the Last Supper. And he vowed to be a part of that. He had asked the instructor, you know, that he he just wanted to be in that program at the church and participate as one of the disciples. And it turns out he calls me at work and he said, I, I have a dilemma. And I said, oh, yeah, what's that? And he said, that was branch night when you chose where you wanted to, to go. And he oh, was post going, night. Yeah, infantry. And they were going to go out and go drinking. <laughs> and he said, what am I going to do? And I said, Dennis, I can't answer that for you. And he said, I want to be in church, but I want to go out with all the infantry soldiers. They're going to drink. And I'm like, well, Dennis, I can't give you my thoughts on that. That has to be your choice. So he goes, well, help me. I said, I can't help you. Think about it. Think about where you belong. And then he called me back. He went to church. I, re I remember like it was yesterday. And I just met the the woman from the church this past year at West Point. And she said, I remember him so well because he was, you know, and she said, well, we'll get somebody to fill in for you. But he, he couldn't give that up. He needed to be there on that day. And it was very important to him. So I hope it gave him some good marks up in heaven when he got <laughs> up there. So, but that was Dennis. Church was very, very important to him. And I was very proud that he chose church versus drinking. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, I didn't tell him. You didn't that, make the decision so. for him. No, no, I didn't. Again, I'm trying to give everybody this kind of wide swath of who Dennis was and the generous heart that he had. And I was dumbfounded when I heard about some of the things that he had gifted in his will. Yeah. Dennis always went to help other people. That was, that was who he was. Like I said, he volunteered in our church as a young kid to work in the, you know, the pantry where they used to stock the food and move it all around. And then he encouraged other young kids in a youth group to do the same thing. And when Dennis was killed, he had a list and he divvied up his insurance policy that he knew he was getting. And the first thing on the list was he made a donation to our church of $100,000. At the time, you know, we have a very small church. Our organ had broken and there was way too much money. It cost way too much money to replace it. So we were just using the piano in the church. So on Christmas Eve at church, you know, I told them that 
he was gifting $100,000 to the church. And we contacted the Oregon company that had come and quoted the fee to us. And by then, the fee had gone up $10,000 because it was in Allen, Oregon, which is supposed to be one of the best organs for churches. But when they heard the story that it was being bought with Dennis's donation, they sold it to us at the price that they had quoted us years before that. Mm. And so I told the church, you know, we'll, we'll buy the organ and we'll leave the other money in earmark to do things for the youth of the church, but that it would be replaced always. And to this day, that's what they do. And we have scholarships for the kids in the youth group, yearly scholarships, and the money gets replaced because people are very generous. You know, they see, you know, this 22-year-old kid making such a powerful impact on the church. They're almost you know, they have to sort of be generous as well. So it's worked out very, very well. Yeah. The, the beauty of that is the Dennis's psych song for <laughs> swimming was Neil Diamond's version of Oh Holy Night. And if you've never played it, play it. Because Dennis said, there are angels singing in the background. He heard angels. When other kids were using headbanger music to psych themselves up for a swim meet, this kid is swimming to a holy night. And what's amazing is every year I play it. And one year I made a message on YouTube and I wrote what Dennis had said. And one of the singers acknowledged it and said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing that because, mm. you know, she said, nobody has ever complimented us like that. And that would be Dennis. Yeah. He, he loved church. He couldn't sing for anything. DJ <laughs> knows that for sure. Again, he took after his mother because she can't sing. But he didn't care. He also left money set aside for his four siblings. And just a, a wonderful gift to remember people and his loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's Memorial Day coming up, and I want. You know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, the knock at the door, uh, what it's like when you have somebody deployed and, and worried about that all the time. Do you mind sharing what that what that feeling was like having somebody deploy and then the aftermath of of his death? No, we we were babysitting Tiffany's kids because Matt was home from college and 
they wanted to go out to dinner. So Matt and his sister and his sister's husband, my son-in-law, went out to dinner and we had the kids. I could tell you what the air smelled like that night. We had a spaghetti dinner and we had the kids there and we watched the movie Stripe with Mm -hmm. the zebra. We were having a good time with the kids and we had spaghetti and meatballs. It was very cold outside. And when my daughter came home, she and her husband gathered the kids and they left. And then Matt was going to spend the night at his one cousin's house. So Dennis and I were, you know, getting ready because it was late. It was like 10, 30, 11, or it might have been a little bit later. And there was a knock at the door and, you know, Dennis, my husband's going up to get in a shower and he goes, oh, what did Tiffany forget? Every time she leaves our house, she leaves something behind. Mm. And then she calls back later. Did I leave it? So I thought it was Tiffany. And as I was walking to the door, the side light window, I could see the Howell Police Department car. And I thought, oh, my God, Tiffany had an accident. And I opened up the door. And instead, there were two soldiers on my front step. Dennis had shared with me that if they're in their ACUs, he would be wounded. If they were in their greens, he was gone. And I opened the door and I put my hand up and I said, you have to wait there. I left the door wide open. By then, my husband was in a shower and I went upstairs and said, you have to come now. Dennis is gone. And he said to me, what are you talking about? And I said, he's gone. And he said, you don't know that. And he jumps out of the shower and he's fumbling and trying to get dry to put his clothes on. And he said, you stay up here. And I said, I am not staying up here. We went downstairs. They're still standing on the front step. The door is wide open. It's freezing cold in my house. And I could smell the air. And they said, can we come in? And we sort of stepped back. They came in and they said, please come inside and sit down. And all I remember thinking to myself, and and I'm going to be candid. I said, this is fucked up. They're asking me to come in my house and sit down. I don't want to sit down. And we did. We went inside and we sat down. And I was so angry. I have never been so angry in my life. My precious son. My husband was breaking down and the poor kid who was going to read the statement that they send. He picked up the book upside down. He had dropped it, and when he picked it up, it was upside down, and he's fumbling, and he's trying to read. Secretary of State regrets to inform you that your son, and he states his name, 
was killed in action. And your mind is crazy. It's going all over in a million places. And I was like a stone. I didn't shed a tear. I How could it be, my Denny Linky? Mm-hmm. How could it be? And then they start asking you questions like, what's your social security number? And Dennis recited his, and I couldn't remember mine. And he says to me, you know it. I said, I know, I know it, but right now I don't know it. And they won't leave until you tell them your social security number. And all I keep thinking is, this is insane. This is insane. And the chaplain asked if he could pray with us. And I said, of course. Because I was losing it. I wanted to go out on the front lawn and scream at God that I hated him. And all I kept thinking of, there's so many people that aren't worth living, that are living. And you took this kid, this perfect kid. And all he kept saying is, we're helping the people here. We watched them vote. They voted. It's, I just want to give them the freedom that we have. I've since calmed down. I did end up telling God that I hated him. And then I remembered who I was talking to. And then I asked for forgiveness. Never told him that again. Mm. So fast forward. Our youngest son is going to deploy. And I used to write to Dennis every day. And I couldn't write to Matt every day. I ignored him. Because I thought if I put myself out there, like what if it happened again? So we put all of our attention into our daughter-in-law and our three granddaughters. And times were different. It was a lot, you know, many years later, and we had access to FaceTime with Matt. We didn't have that with Dennis. You only had the credit cards right. to make phone calls at home. But I avoided him because I was so afraid that something would go wrong again. And there are several Army families more than one son has died. Mm. And I just, I was so afraid. But I do know for a fact that there is life after death. I know for a fact because Dennis lets us know when he's around. In the beginning, it was very often. And then it got less and less. But 
He did. He makes sure that we know that he's here. Mm, Mama Z. Felt like I just re-experienced it all again. That was to call you and Ryan was a very, very hard phone call to make. But I didn't want you to hear it by the grapevine. Mm -hmm. And we also arranged when Matt, we told Matt he had to come home. Matt was still in college. And he handled everything for our family because the three older kids were useless like us. And Matt came in and he took over and handled everything for us. It was too much on him being the sibling that was the closest to Dennis. Because you said before, not only were they close, they were brothers, but they were best friends. And I don't know how Matt did it, but we depended on him and I don't know how he managed. Yeah. Tough times that I don't wish on anybody, but Memorial Day is about remembering and honoring. And I have watched from the front seat everything that you, Mr. Zelensky, Maddie, and the family have done to continue to remember and honor Dennis's sacrifice and to serve all of the families left behind, our wounded warriors. Talk to us about how the run got started and then what the foundation is doing, has done from an impact standpoint since then and continues to do. Well, you know, I have to give credit to Dennis because before he deployed, we were in a car and I had an awful feeling he was never going to come home. And I said to him, Dennis, are you scared? And he said, no, why? You think something's going to happen? And I said, no, no. And I lied to him. And he said, the only thing I'm afraid of is if I lose one of my soldiers, when I come home from deployment, I will go to meet his parents and tell them that I failed them. The only soldiers that were killed in Dennis's platoon were killed with Dennis. So with Dennis saying that he would go there, What better way to honor that statement of his that he would go than to set up a memorial fund that would aid and assist our wounded warriors for him? And so the run was our first thing that we did was the yearly run. And it was actually started by two friends of ours and their sons went to Christian Brothers with Dennis and they swam with Dennis 
at the Red Bank Y and for CBA. And they started, you know, they started the run. And it was very, very successful in the beginning. But we do the run at a place that's grueling. It's not your average run. And we did that for a reason. We wanted people to understand the pain of being a soldier, the working out, the being in shape, the competition. You know, runners run on flat surfaces. So the first couple of years, we did get a lot of runners, but when they realized their times went down, they were, they were out of there. But the good thing about it is people challenge themselves. People that aren't runners will start like a month ahead of time just so they could finish that run. And they understand why we do that. We want people to understand the dedication of our military. You know, you don't just don't go in and raise your hand and it's all, you know, ice cream sundays. It's not. They work hard at being warriors. They work hard to save and give the rest of us our freedom. And the worst thing that anybody could ever say to me is, happy Memorial Day. It's not a happy day. It's not the first day of summer. It's not all about the beach and the sails. And the, it's about your freedom. It's about the men and women that step up, raise their right hand and take that oath to give us our freedom. So yes, that run is hard and the walk is just as hard. My kids can attest to that. Yeah. But it's hard. And because you want people to think, and I use this line a lot, freedom is not free. It's bought and paid for only by our military, not by the politicians, not by our friends, not by anybody else, but our, our military. So the run was the first event. Yes. Uh, we do it annually in well, November. The run and the golf outing. Dennis's dad is a retired state trooper. And when he retired, he retired as the troop commander. He was in charge of the whole Garden State Parkway. He had 400 and something troopers under him. And they started the golf outing. So that's why they help us at the outing every year. And so we had the run, walk, and the golf outing. Out of the funds that we get, we had gotten in the beginning, we made many donations. We aid and assist wounded warriors. We aid and assist wives or partners of warriors that have been injured. We sponsor service dogs for the warriors with post-traumatic stress to try to help them save their lives. 
we just in December made our donation to the Fisher House. And they sent a thank you with a video. And we realized that over the years, we've actually donated $80,000 to the Fisher House. Wow. Now, people that don't know what the Fisher House is, they build homes near the the military hospitals that treat the severely injured warriors. And they build the homes so the families can move into the homes and be close to their warrior to try to help keep families together. Because there is a lot of divorce. You know, you marry somebody that's okay and then life happens and bad things happen to them and a lot of the spouses leave them and... Yeah, it's, you know, so these houses help. We donated leather recliners to the hospital and beach. Maybe you can help me with that. The hospital in in Texas where they send the severely burned. Oh. Uh, mm, why too. can I not think of it? Drawing a blank. But yeah. they, they want leather recliners. Mm. We actually bought like five of them for the down there because this way their skin didn't stick to it. And, you know, so many warriors have injuries that are so awful. We've sponsored four leg amputations for warriors that the VA turned down. Don't get me started on that one. Yeah. Brook Army Medical Center, the power of Google. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And uh, we never heard back from them for any other donations. And we we did do the four leather recliners, the ones that they they had already looked it all up and we just had them shipped. Talk to us about the service dogs program. What a great program. The number still sticks. Basically, 22 warriors a day commit suicide because of post-traumatic stress and or TBI injury. That's an amazing number. And one time when I went to talk at a company, and it was a big room and there were a lot of people, and I said, just think tomorrow you show up for work and 22 people are not there. And the next day you show up and then 22 are not there. It's an astronomical amount of lives lost. And dogs help them. Yeah. It's an incredible program. We sponsored dogs through Canines for Warriors in Florida. So far, they've done 800 dogs and we've sponsored a hundred of those 800 dogs and only two warriors committed suicide after having a service it's so amazing and they utilize dogs that are in kill shelters sometimes they do have full-bred dogs but those are from breeders that are looking for the perfect dog to 
enter into dog shows. So they donate, you know, the dogs that wouldn't. Less than perfect. Yes. (laughs) And as long as the dogs can be trained. Now, a lot of the dogs do fail out of the program. You know, for instance, they take the dog into a, a store. And if the dog is skittish in the store, the dog can't be there. The dog goes into the store and helps the warrior be able to get back into public. Yeah. The dogs also help them get off prescription drugs. One warrior that had one of our dogs, he was on 28 pills a day, uppers, downers, in-betweeners, everything to try to, you know, but they weren't addressing the issue of the post-traumatic stress. Recently, I get an email from him. He asked permission to retire his dog. He said he's old. I take two blood pressure pills a day now. And the dog was Dr. Chad. Mm-hmm. And you know the connection. I do. There. And Dr. Chad is a member of there. And he said, can I keep Dr. Chad? And I said, absolutely. So Dr. Chad now is in retirement with his warrior. The warrior also sent me an email and he said, look at me. And he was in Disney. And he said, you made me able to go to Disney with my family. His marriage was just about over. She told him if he didn't go down there and try to get help, that she was going to leave. They're happily married, wonderful pictures. Dr. Chad is happy. He's retired. And they got to Disney with their kids. It's, It's an awesome, awesome program. It's remarkable. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. And it's remarkable everything that you've done to continue to keep Dennis's legacy alive the number of people that you've impacted through the fund. Oh, I want to make the point, 100% volunteer run. Absolutely. It's a 100% volunteer organization. We work out of our home. If you could see my office, it is a disaster. We put in long hours. The phone rings on Sundays. Everything we do, we do from our heart. We do because that's, you know, what Dennis, in keeping with his, I'm going to go and see the parents to take care of his warriors. And all of our volunteers are really all volunteers. If they go to an event, they pay just like everybody else. Uh, I don't run the run because I don't want to pay. No, (laughs) I don't run the run because I would probably die. Um, Everybody gives 100%. You know, we're just so fortunate to have such loyal 
volunteers. It, it's amazing. Yeah. So our donation rate is incredible. You know, when other organizations are taking big salaries and the rents are high, we don't have that. So, you know, we're able to help a lot more people that way. Yeah. So if you want to, you can look about the events that the foundation does. And the website is runwithdennis.org. We'll put a link in the show notes. Mama Z, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I, you and I have talked about this before, but it's, I think it's critical that people hear these stories. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, and feel, feel these stories. Like I said, I relived, I feel like I relived, I don't know if it was November 19th or November 20th. No, it's um, But. I didn't call you till it was late. I didn't call you actually until the 20th in the middle of the night. Yeah. But you were in Texas. So I was for a couple of hours, you and Ryan. And that was, I the still remember the flip phone going off, but I'm, I'm so proud of you and Mr. Zelensky and, and Maddie and, and all the kids for everything that you've done. Like I said, Dennis was always an inspiration to all of us. He was a leader among his peers and to see that his life continues to to shine and inspire others and the word inspire is to breathe life back into so the 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 service dogs that are breathing life back into these warriors lives is just i think so fitting so to close us out i just want you to you know the floor is yours to anybody listening remind everybody what memorial day is all about when you wake up in the morning, you're breathing fresh, clean air. Maybe not if you live up in North Jersey, but <laughs> seriously. Think about the commitment and the sacrifice that our military makes for us, not just during that wartime. Every day, less than 1% of the American population will raise their right hand to commit their lives for our freedom. That's scary. Only one, say 1%. It really is less than, but if you even just think 1%, it's frightening. And then when they go and, you know, all you have to do is go to a cemetery, a military cemetery, and walk, walk through it and read the young ages of a lot of the sacrifice. It has to impact you. You can't thank our politicians for our freedom, except for those that have served. The rest are nothings. You can't thank the press because half the time you don't even know whether what you're listening to or reading is true. Our freedom is bought and paid for by men and women that pledge to each of you 
their lives. And not all of them will come home. Many will be killed like my son. Or many will be wounded and their lives will be so impacted. And please, whatever you do, it is not happy Memorial Day. Go to a ceremony that honors those that give you your freedom. Watch as they lower that flag, and then at 12 o'clock, they raise it again. Go to a ceremony. And yes, you're going to see a lot of old vets. And a lot of the kids laugh and go, oh, yeah, look at that old guy. But that old guy was the guy running up that beach. Those were the old guys that were in Vietnam with no shirts and coming home with Agent Orange now. They deserve our respect as a nation. And it is not the first day of summer. I am a New Jersey girl. I am a beach girl. My toes go in the sand. I sit back in that chair. I look out over that ocean and I get to thank God for the gifts that he has given us. I am a beach person. But that day, please just don't say happy summer, happy Memorial Day, because there are people like me it's not happy. It's a day to honor. It's a day to remember. Thanks, Mama Z. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.